0: They've done some research on people's view of, of God, and what's interesting is even with the research that looks at people who believe in God, only 25% believe that God is a God of love
1: mm.
0: who cares about them.
1: Welcome to the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer, turned CEO, and The Smiling Coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Another exciting day here on the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we're talking with Dr. Bill Bergman, who has spent the last 50 years refining a medical practice that was different. He has found ways to integrate natural medicine and nutrition with stress management, creating incredible results for his patients. He seeks to educate both patients and the medical industry about the power of holistic health and how much the mind can help in healing and wellness. Dr. Bill Bergman and Robert talk about holistic approaches to health and how science is now showing the importance of stress management as a part of patient care. The importance of the spiritual element in the healing process and how a focus on mind, body, and spirit leads to better health. If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30 minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Well, Dr. Bergman, thank
2: you so much for taking the time to join us today. Looking forward to a wonderful conversation.
0: Wonderful to be here with you, Robert. and very, very
2: happy to be able to be of value, I hope, to your, to your audience. Well, thank you. Well, first, I want to express gratitude to Sarah Davenport for introducing us and and making it possible for for me to know and learn about you. So thank you to Sarah. And I typically let each guest just share their own kind of entrepreneurial journey and and what's uh, led them to serving people in the way that they're serving them now.
0: Yeah, well, I was trained as a medical doctor at uh, Medical School at Columbia University, College of Physicians and Surgeons. I graduated in uh, 1970. So I've been in the medicine, medical and healthcare field for, for quite a while, more than 50 years. And, um, and I took a very early interest in what we now refer to as holistic, integrative medicine. Um, actually, when I was in medical school, um, I was originally going to uh, to Columbia to the medical school there to become an eye surgeon. They have a great eye, eye institute. But during my third year of medical school, when when we leave the classrooms and actually go into the wards of the hospital, that was Presbyterian Hospital. Now it's New York Presbyterian Hospital, the Upper West Side of Manhattan. From the from the classrooms to the hospital. We're kind of assigned a medical preceptor. This is an older professor of medicine, someone on the faculty, who kind of takes us around and shows us what it is to be actually in the practice of medicine and not just the study of it. And my uh, preceptor, Dr. Albert Grokest, he was a, a wonderful gentleman. He was a specialist in rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmune illness. He was doing some outstanding research at that time. And he brought us through the wards of the hospital and showed us physical examination and analysis of the the laboratory values and history taking. And and these were seriously ill people um, that were in the hospital. So these were serious cases of of arthritis and and the autoimmune form of that. And um, one afternoon, he gathered us together, our little group of seven or eight. Third-year medical students, and he sat us down, and he said, "Never forget that this is a psychosomatic illness." And I was absolutely stunned. I I could not compute what what psychosomatic is he trying to say that um, somehow this is imaginary, that this is somehow in just the mind of the patient. He had shown us the physical exams; these people were really ill. But he went on to quickly collaborate that psycho means mind and somatic means body. And what he's meant to say was there was a mind-body connection. This was the late 60s. This changed, that afternoon changed my career path from eye surgery to, uh, again, what we refer to as holistic or integrative medicine. And um, so for years after that, in New York City for decades, and then in, um, in Colorado, um, when we moved out there with my parents to be closer to my sister and her family and my parents' grandkids. And I had a practice there and it was this integrative approach where we bring together things that normally in conventional standard medicine are often very separate. The whole idea is to see that the human system is one total system, mind, body. And through the years I came to really particularly Put an emphasis on stress relief, more than stress management, but how to really relieve stress by understanding not only the mind body connection, but also the integration with, with the higher spiritual capacities that we have. And so, this kind of more unified approach where it's mind body kind of that's a, a kind of horizontal view, and then bringing uh, the spiritual realities, consciousness into it is a more vertical dimension. These bring these this together I've been able to to really be of uh help to people in terms of relieving stress, creating greater resiliency, and also um really giving people a, a sense of their own inner power once they can understand the full capacity that they have as human beings. So that's that's kind of uh, a summary of of my uh, career path over these last uh 50 52 years
2: nice well I love the mind body connection and of course I love the integration with with spirit and source and so being able to recognize and work with those areas is so powerful right and and, and science is coming around more and more to acknowledge that connection and acknowledge the the, the unknown <laughs> right the the one the the spiritual side that you just can't measure and yet seems to have an impact on recovery an impact on health and and just in so many areas that that, that are so so powerful and helpful to people so love love that i love stress release love but <laughs> i i Really, over the last four years of serving entrepreneurs, found out that most of them don't recognize they have a mindset problem, but many of them will recognize they have a stress problem. And mm-hmm. So I tend to approach it from the same way. So let's talk about your stress, and then let's talk about your thinking process that's that's leading to all of this stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so very very familiar in that way. So let's talk about your you delving into helping people relieve stress, and, and what were some of the tools or or things that that you provided, or were able to encourage people to to work with.
0: Well, just as you've said, Robert, the mindset, the the consciousness, the 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 view that we have of of what's true and what's real, this is so fundamental because the mindset governs how we think about things. And as a consequence, the way we think about things is the way we experience them. So it's so important that our mindset be as elevated as possible. Now, from my point of view, the greatest challenge that we are really facing, whether we're people that are dealing with stress through personal issues like our health or financial situations or relationships are a big big issue for stress. Or it's the what's going on in the world situation, you know, the news. I mean, what what's really happening in the world This is impacting each of us, whether we are conscious or or unconscious of it. It's having an impact. So we want to be able to have the most elevated view of um, what it is to be a human being. Really, it is to be a human being. And the greatest challenge, I believe, is that we are living now in a very secularized culture. And this is not just something over the last couple of years or even the last couple of decades. I think as you look at the history of certainly of our country, I mean, um, you know, it's it's it was kind of like born out of a belief in God. I mean, we we have the president placing his hand on a Bible, swearing to uphold the Constitution. You go into a, you know, a courtroom and it's in God we trust, it's on the money, every dollar bill. But over these last couple of hundred years, we've gradually, I think, in many ways, lost our spiritual foundation. And I'm not talking about a religion now. I'm not. I'm not talking about Christianity per se, or Judaism per se, or any other religion. I'm, I'm talking about a mindset that recognizes, first and foremost, that we are created beings. Because if we recognize and acknowledge that we are created beings. We didn't create our own existence. We didn't decide we're going to come into this world and have this life. We have choices once we're here. We are free will. But we didn't create our existence. We are created beings. As soon as you recognize, as soon as a person recognizes we are created, there has to be a creator. You cannot have a creation. You can't be created without there being a creator. It's like a... A piece of artistic work, the the, the painting, beautiful, you know, um, uh, Sistine Chapel painting of Michelangelo. You can't you can't have that without there. You can't have the painting without the painter. You can't have the the beautiful artwork without the artist. So we're created. There's a creator. Now that is so important because. We are living, as I say, from my point of view, in an increasing secularized society that somehow is thinking, well, that's maybe okay on a personal level. You can decide or not decide, which is true. You can. Everyone has their own free will and can think what they want to think and believe what they want to believe. But from my point of view, not recognizing there's a creator is kind of like saying, well, I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe in it. Well, okay, you have the right not to believe in gravity. I mean, you have the absolute right. If you want to just live your life believing that there is no gravity, gravity does not exist, you're certainly free to have that belief. It just turns out, you know, that belief is incorrect. (laughs) In fact, whether we believe it or not, gravity is there and gravity is operating. In the same way, unless we acknowledge not necessarily a religious doctrine or particular theology or philosophy, well, that's personal preference or even but again that there's a creator because that's the key, that's that's the mindset, that's the world view that really creates the context for genuine enduring stress relief. See, we were not created to experience stress except as a warning that there might be danger so good that that's that's what our creator has given us is a warning signal that there could be danger the fear the anxiety you know for my work i i travel quite a bit visiting people in their homes doing risk assessments and you know there's the interstates i'm, I'm going on the interstate and You know, you got to pay attention there. You got these huge trucks and you know, you've got cars going by at 80 miles an hour. And if someone's going to go and swerve into your, into your lane, you've got to be like, well, you've got to be alert. And really, you know, there's like stress. (laughs) Well, that stress is what our creator intended for us. That's the stress to warn us, move into the right, you know, make the right adjustments so that there's no accident. The problem is that we are living at a time when we're experiencing these stresses, these warning experiences, and we just think that they're part of life. And that the best that we can do is we can just manage them with relaxation and stress management tools, techniques. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, yoga for some people and just. Being out in nature for others vacations, nice weekends, whatever, of course, stress management is fine, but we want to go way beyond stress management to be able to understand that we were created to be at peace
2: mm. we were so created- many yes, sorry, so many good, good things in there because like stress and emotion, I think in our culture has been um just, I think there's just a plethora of people living in fight and flight, and, and they don't mm-hmm. understand the chemical implications of fight and flight, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we watch the news or we have an argument with our significant other and we, our body brain goes into fight and flight mode, and yet we sit on the couch and watch Netflix. And mm-hmm. so now we've got these chemicals in our body that are designed for us to run away or, or to fight, and we're sitting down and doing nothing, and our body's muscles and all of these things that this chemical is dumped into have this expectation of, uh, defending ourselves, right? Like, like a lion has come out of his den and we've got to do whatever we can to save ourselves. And yet, and yet we're not using those chemicals in the way that they were designed and they're creating this, this yuck within our system. And, and most people don't recognize that it's not normal. That's not how we were designed. And so I think that's a a huge, thing that our culture loves drama right loves loves the loves the news drama loves the tv drama loves the family drama loves the gossip and all of those things are triggering these chemicals in in our body that that our body's not designed to handle in a constant state And, and 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 we and then we go to the doctor and we say well i just don't feel right and the doctor prescribes some more chemicals to numb down the chemicals that are stuff in our body full and now we've got chemicals fighting against chemicals and i think it's creating an epidemic of depression and an epidemic of pharmaceutical use and an epidemic of creating people who don't really know what they really feel anymore
3: absolutely
0: you're so right and um it's unfortunate because uh, it's so embedded in the culture that people often think that uh, stress is just sort of what we can expect. You know, it's like it, it reminds me of um, an analogy, which which kind of relates to the idea that not so long ago, 150, 200 years ago, there was a time when we didn't know very much about, well, we didn't hardly know anything about things like germs and microorganisms and and As a consequence, you know, surgery would be done and women would get childbirth and it wouldn't be just basic sanitation or hygiene because we didn't know anything about, you know, germs and this kind of thing. So it was just kind of considered normal that you would have like, you know, a tremendous amount of problems around uh, childbirth because we just thought that's what happens. That's just part of what it is to have a child. Once we understood that there were issues that could be controlled in terms of microorganisms and germs and bacteria, and people began to, you know, actually provide some kind of hygienic measures in terms of the loss of life around childbirth went way down. In fact, Issues around hygiene for public health were even more important. We kind of give all the credit now to antibiotics and stuff, which have a place. But a lot of it has to do with just sanitation issues and basic hygiene and this kind of thing. In the same way, we are now in a culture. It's an analogy of the cultural mindset we're in now that stress is just part of life. You know, it's like, it's like uh, things that are happening, They can't really be avoided, or maybe they could be avoided as, let's say, I changed the relationship, hope for a better relationship. I changed the work situation, maybe I'll have a better work situation. Or we just think the best we can do is just manage this. But what we're not recognizing is that we are largely responding to the circumstances in a way which
3: is contrary to the way we design. Oh, We were designed to be able to experience the stress, the stressful
0: feelings, as kind of like like a rumble strip on a highway. You're you're driving, and again, now I'm not talking about the healthy kind of stress reaction, anxiety, fear reaction when there's a legitimate danger. We're talking, as you mentioned, Robert, about the kind of chronic, ongoing persistent stress that many people are living with but if we can understand that stress is a signal like when you're driving along and you start moving into the other lane and you're on the rumble strips and you feel the rumble and you immediately make the adjustment as soon as you feel the rumble you know you're headed in the wrong way you got to adjust that's the way that the stress experience is meant to tell us we're out of balance we have to make the correction. Rather than thinking the circumstances creating the stress, we have to realize that the system was designed to generate that experience to tell us that things need to change, things need to shift. And if we keep ignoring it, and the best we can come up with is stress management, if it's going through those chemicals and those stress hormones, things you've mentioned. This is going to erode not only the experience of life, but it's also going to impact us very negatively in terms of our physical health.
2: Mm. Well and then and then you lose the sensation of the rumble strip, right? Because then you start using chemicals to tone down the rumble strip. So the next time you're on the rumble strip and you're supposed to turn left, you keep going right and keep going further and further into danger because your body your body no longer recognizes the intensity of the rumble strip. And and I, I just think we are over prescribing and I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional. But, but I see this from, from my point of view, working with, with people that don't have the mindset that, that they're in control and don't have the mindset that recognizing these as warning signals and and recognizing how the brain dumps those chemicals for fight or flight, the brain also has chemicals for positive living. and And when we do positive things like smile and we move and we do... Some of these regular activities that the body's designed to do, you can stop the fight and flight chemicals and experience really positive chemicals that have the, the same effect and shift you off that rumble strip and can keep you off the rumble strip because your your brain is going, woohoo, this is how we're supposed to live. This is what it's designed for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so many, I mean, the brain is so much more, I Probably the brain has more positive chemicals than negative ones. But people get stuck in the cortisol and the the the, the reaction of you know adrenaline and, and all those things that are designed to save us in a fight, but not very many of us are getting in fights.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, one of the things that I share with people I teach pretty deeply about is the way that the brain functions. There's the, the Now, the brain is very complex, but for the sake of this discussion, it can kind of simplify, be simplified into understanding that there's a kind of lower brain and a higher brain. The lower brain, it's actually referred to as the reptilian brain because animals have it. It's, it's the part of the brain that we have as humans, which functions like it does in animals to just have us survive. It's responsible for all of the fundamental life-sustaining activities like breathing and heartbeat and all the desires for uh, procreation, for, for eating. All of this generally comes from impulses from the lower brain. And the lower brain is organized around one thing and one thing alone, survival. And animals, they have that. It's like instinctive, but that's generally all they have. Now, as human beings, particularly as human beings created in the image of our creator, we have uh, above it, in the higher area of the skull, we have what's called the cerebral cortex. And this is where all of our higher psychological and spiritual faculties Reside. This is where our capacity for love, or sound judgment, or being conscientious, or being generous, all of these faculties reside in the higher brain. And they are the control system for what it is to be a human being. But because of so many, we can say, kind of hyperactivity of the lower brain, referred to Generally, again, there's complexity there, but generally as the limbic system, this limbic system, this lower brain is hyper hyperactive. And as a result, it grows in its neurocircuits and releases these stress hormones, which weaken the cerebral cortex, the connections of the higher brain. So rather than the higher brain being in control and in balance with the lower brain, the Lower brain begins to assert much more activity, and in some people, it can actually take over their life. And I mean, I have to say, it's it's not an easy thing to think about. But people can behave like animals because it's like they're no conscious. It's like it's all about you know survival of the fittest. That's that's actually the mindset that can be developed as a result of the hyperactivity of the lower brain and the limbic system. It's like the survival of the fittest, as opposed to what we know through through our you know, religious philosophy and spiritual philosophy. It's like no greater love has, has someone than to give his life for his friend. That's like the higher c- cerebral cortex, the higher cortical functions of the brain, what it is to be a human being. An animal is like the survival of the fittest. As opposed to living for the sake of others, unselfishness, so we have to restore that balance, and that's going to take more than just uh stress management that's going to take a deep understanding of the way in which these neurocircuits circuits they become uh conditioned and programmed and strengthened, and we have to we kind of have to weaken the ones that are creating all of this havoc and uh,
3: and, and
0: Emphasize and increase the healthy circuitry so that we need both, but they have to be in proper relationship to one another.
1: We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness.
2: Well, and so a little of this reminds me of Victor Frankel's work, and 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 obviously, you know, he recognized through his experiences and study of many people around him at the time that, mm-hmm. that when a, an event happens, when a, a circumstance presents itself, such as the rumble strip, right? The brain, the brain gives us a choice and, and we have, we have the right to choose in that moment, how we respond to that. And I think on the one side, you're saying that when, when, when the lower brain has had the habit of being in charge and had the habit of responding we start to respond as animals and when we recognize hope and love and peace and joy and those other higher states that the that, that when the cerebral cortex is in charge and we have that capacity for love we can make different choices and you know i think obviously his situation was dealing with some of those evil people that were operating in that <laughs> in that lower state and just being obedient and and the idea that you know, a person with hope, a person with that, that understands that there is a greater love, that there is a, a creator that, that created us has the capacity to recognize that. I think one of the biggest challenges for, for many people is to believe that God is for them, that this creator created you for a purpose. And it's a good purpose, not that the creator created you, to smite you and, and keep you down and keep you miserable. And I think when people can make that mindset shift to this idea of greatness, this idea of possibility and potential, it it starts to transition from functioning in that lower brain to, to believing in hope and, and good of the higher brain.
0: Absolutely. You know, what you're saying reminds me of some, very important research that's coming out now. When I went to medical school, I was taught that essentially chronic disease was more or less a genetic issue.
3: Mm.
0: And the idea was that like, well, you get these chronic diseases largely because you have that kind of genetic inheritance. Now we know here, this many decades later, that that's actually incorrect. The genetic information that we inherit is largely about, if you have to put a number on it, maybe 20% of the equation. The other 80% is what we call epigenetics. And epigenetics means beyond, epi means beyond, beyond genetics. This is, this 80% is what turns the genes on and off. This is called genetic expression. So only 20% is the inheritance. 80% or so is what actually causes genes to be turned on and off. And these epigenetic factors are largely within our control. We can't control our inheritance, our ancestry, the health of our ancestry that had an impact on us in terms of what we have in terms of genetic coding. But the expression of the genes, 80% is largely within our control. So when we choose what to eat, when we choose the healthy versus the unhealthy foods, when we choose to be in movement and 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 to be active, exercise, to be kind of the way we were designed to be. But my belief, and I think there will be more and more evidence to, to, to confirm this, is that the most important epigenetic factor is going to be our mindset. This is what's going to govern more than anything, what is going to turn on and off the genes. Because think about it, even choosing to eat healthier food, a lot of people, they're under so much stress, they don't even have psychological space to be able to think about that. So we live with our mindset, we live with our psychological function. And that has an impact on the choices we make in terms of lifestyle. Mm. One of the interesting things which is now being recognized more and more still not mainstream, but the research is beginning now is one of the most important epigenetic factors is the mindset that we have about the existence of the creator, and that the view that we have first of all whether or not we believe there is a creator, and then our view of that creator has powerful impact in terms of how our brain functions. And this to me is really, really exciting and really, really practical because it means that choices we make about even things like prayer and meditation and association with a community of people who share our values, all of these things have a tremendous impact on our brain functioning.
2: Well, and I think the evidence is starting to show that people that are part of those kinds of communities are healthier and and live longer.
3: Absolutely. And um,
0: they've done some research on people's view of, of God. And what's interesting is even with the research that looks at people who believe in God, not not those who say, no, God does not exist, or people that are really like agnostic to it, but those that believe in God, only 25% believe that God is a God of love, mm. who cares about them. Three quarters of the believers, meaning the people who believe in the existence of the creator, believe that God is upset with them, is angry with them, is ready to punish them all of which activates the limbic system of the lower brain. If you feel my God, the creator of the universe is not with me, not on my side, not helping me, not guiding me, not available to me. That's why I think you know things like the prodigal son that you know reveal, at least from a biblical point of view, you know, the relationship that the father had to the prodigal son, where it was all about welcoming him home. Not being upset with him. Not Yes, he had squandered the money and he had you know gone off and who knows what he had done out there. But the father was just so grateful and so happy that his son had returned. And, you know, that teaching is just one example of how if we think about our creator in one way, the difference that it has in terms of our brain functioning and stress relief, and this is the kind of the level in which I, I try to share with people so that they can really, over time, it's a learning curve. doesn't necessarily come instantly. though well, It can, but most people, it's a learning curve. To develop the mindset, I mean, that's kind of the...
2: Mainstream of the work that I do. Nice. Well, so I mean, I think having come from that spiritual side, there's been 20 years in the ministry, and, and I think there's a lot of people that that are caught in the God punishing sin side, mm-hmm. and and not seeing the loving God who loves you in spite of <laughs> the sin side, and and I really. On the business side, when we, when we try to help people dream bigger and believe bigger, there's, there's this idea that God wants people to play small, that God wants people to, to, to reduce their potential to satisfy God rather than recognizing that you, that potential was created in you by God. And, and, and that mindset that if God gave you that potential, doesn't he want you to use it to its fullest?
0: Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of that kind of thinking comes really from the circuitry in the lower brain. Mm. It's become kind of programmed and conditioned, and the culture doesn't help. Right. And it's really, you know, a historical thing where we were greatly influenced, obviously, by our parents. Years, yes, as we're growing, but particularly our parents, they were in the same boat based on you know, their parents, and we've all kind of had to, as a human history, endure a tremendous amount of ignorance about the true nature of our creator and um, and how much we were designed in order really to be in a relationship, in a personal relationship um, with our creator, and we're designed for that, and anything less than that, there's going to be, there's going to be a, a kind of a vacuum, a kind of emptiness that people are seeking to fill in many, many other ways. Not that there aren't wonderful things to, wonderful relationships to have, careers to pursue, mm. dreams to fulfill, but there's nothing more important, I believe, than the fundamental relationship that our Creator intended for us and that we were created to have. With with our Creator.
2: Mm well and i and I think part of it is the way our culture and and workforce have been developed corporately and in, um, the industrial age right where where not only was sin this balance of good versus evil right you you gotta do more good to outbalance the evil, but the same productivity idea where where you work harder to get paid and and it's this exchange of of hard work for for pay and and i think it's a it's a misunderstanding of both the the good and bad and both the the idea of exchanging time for money um it and really our our creator created us for something so much outside of that measurement and and when you have a relationship when you when you have a connection to to the creator your mindset can shift to that greatness that you were created for and the idea that, that God wants you to impact the world in a, in a meaningful way, that he created human beings to take care of human beings. <laughs> and that when each mm-hmm. one of us taps into that great potential that, that we have within us, incredibly great things can happen for, for the people that you impact and that you influence and in the lives that you're designed to touch.
0: Absolutely. You know, part of the uh, challenge is that our thinking, we experience our thinking within our own consciousness. So we tend to think that maybe it's important that we have certain ideas. What is even more of a challenge is we even think a lot of the ideas in our own head and our own consciousness are true. <laughs> because now we're experiencing it in a certain way. It makes it seem as if it's true. But again, coming to the brain science, there's more and more evidence that we are not actually experiencing what's out there. Mm -hmm. We're experiencing our interpretation of what's out there. So it means that a lot of the experience that we're having around things that we feel are stressful, that we're holding the circumstances responsible for our stress are really internally generated through our own mind and brain and consciousness, Mm -hmm. which makes it seem real
3: because that's what we're experiencing. In other words, it's like, you know, you
0: see something, let's say there's something out there. Well, let's take, for example, a, a beautiful... Moonlit night. And there it is, you know, it's beautiful nighttime with the moon up there in the sky. It's just over and over, just beautiful, beautiful moon, shining moon, darkened sky. But we know from the science that that moon up there is rotating on its axis revolving around the Earth. The Earth is moving at, first of all, is revolving around its own axis, and then is rotating around the Earth at 186,000 miles per hour. Now think of this. The moon is revolving and rotating around the Earth, which is rotating and revolving around the sun. All that movement, how are we looking up at the sky with the moon just sitting there? Because it's actually the information from what's out there, in this case the moon, is being totally, 100%, 100% experienced within our own consciousness. So if we grasp that that's our own mind doing that to something that's out there, to give us an experience of beauty with the moon just sitting up there, but it's actually being created within our own consciousness, then when we're confronted with with stress, yes, if it's a legitimate stress that could be dangerous for us, we want to be able to react accordingly. But what if it's just, again, we're misreading, we're misinterpreting what's actually happening because we can't depend on just our own thoughts and feelings in our consciousness. We have to kind of like put our trust in the in the wisdom and the love and the goodness beyond us. But in a way, our culture is making us into gods. We're trying cool. to say, well we we can do this on our own. Hmm. And even people who believe in God, that's a belief, but it's not something that's active in their life.
2: Oh, no, I, yeah, no, lots of, lots of folks who claim to be believers and are freaked out and stressed out about so much that's outside of their control and, and, and that they can, they, they can't do anything about. And, and it's interesting to me as you and I are talking, because I think about the number of scriptures and the number of God's promises that say, do not worry. <laughs> do not, you know, do not fear. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think about so many situations, and, and the one that was recent was I was sitting at a table with with four women, and and the, the the idea of a spider came up, and three of them basically just crawl under the table. I'm like, you know, that's your your reaction to this this idea of a spider, because first of all, very few spiders are ultimately dangerous to human beings, and yet there's this idea of spider that that is in so many people's minds that creates fear to even be in the same room with, you know, said spider, even though they're, you know, ultimately typically very tiny and very, you know, powerless over, over a human in reality. And, and yet these are fears that people, you know, ultimately have built up. And and of course our culture builds them up in stereo and story and, and, and movie. And, and yet it's ultimately how you think about it. And how you think about stressful situations, and I, I go back to AA's, you know, the Serenity Prayer for so many people and so many things. Like, you know, the reality of life is there's so much that's outside of our control that if you're just willing to let go of those things yeah. and, and trust. Fo- focus on the things that you can, and then absolutely trust God that trust the Creator that put you here to to handle the things that that are outside of your control, and, and and obviously the world situation, I, you see so many people getting wound up about the war in Europe and, and politics and all of these things that are still ultimately outside of our control. Sure, we can make an impact in, in tiny little ways, but they can't, those things aren't going to, they're not like a lion outside your door that's going to get off of his chain and eat you at the moment. But that's the way many people are allowing those things to, to impact their mindset and impact their body. And, and they're living in this, this stress and fear and worry and anxiety that is just, our body's just not designed for, like you've said. And, and, and the idea that so many people are being controlled by their lower brain. I mean, for me, that's heartbreaking. I'm heartbroken because we were created for more. We were created for joy and love. And, and I think the ultimate use of the higher brain is to be able to experience unconditional love, which is, I mean, for me, that's an aspiration, right? That in all my relationships, I can approach with curiosity and, and love and and not judgment and not you know, um, just allowing a, a different expectation, you know, to come from my interactions with other human beings. Mm-hmm. I, I just love the work you're doing. I love that, that you're you're helping people see possibility and see, you know, the, the place where, joy exists, right? With dopamine and oxytocin and serotonins that are designed to help you feel joy and peace and discover peace that your brain's designed to give you. Sure. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. So tell me a little bit about, I I think gratitude's a a power tool in my toolbox. And and I think it sounds like it can be a power tool in in your medical toolbox for healing and helping people. How has gratitude served you and, and, and how does it help your clients
0: gratitude is so important it is just so important to to really i think you mentioned robert of putting your attention you know taking your focus of your attention and moving it into something positive and something healthy and more in alignment with the way god's created us and from my point of view gratitude is like one of the most powerful medicines that God has given us. You know, I I wrote a paperback, published it through Amazon called Jesus of Nazareth, MD. And it's all about the Lord's Prayer. Because from my point of view, gratitude and forgiveness, these are two of the most powerful medicines for health and healing, which have not only impact in terms of our day-to-day life but when you think about it it really it really has impact for us even beyond this life
3: Mm.
0: you know i i talk about the brain science and i'm always trying to find science to back up my kind of beliefs and my faith and there's more and more interesting science coming out now about the life after this life because of the technologies that are available to resuscitate people, particularly from things like heart attacks, where we have now better technology, better training. When the EMS crew gets to the scene of the accident or whatever, they're able to do things that years ago you'd have to be in the hospital emergency room. They can do that right, in the, right there in the mobile facility. And as a consequence, more and more people are actually Going unconscious and even being declared clinically dead, and then they come back. And the research on what what they're experiencing is such that I believe this is evidence. We can't. I don't know that we could say you know definite proof, but growing, growing evidence that this life is just a stage for. Yet another experience, another another life after this one. And so the idea of gratitude and forgiveness, it's not just that it improves the quality of our life, our performance, our resiliency here now, which is itself is tremendously valuable, but this carries with it even eternal implications and consequences. So again, it's like I think the priority in a a lifestyle is around things like gratitude and forgiveness.
2: Mm, So good. Dr. Berman, thank you so much for taking the time today and and just sharing so much wisdom. I typically ask each guest to end the show by sharing uh, with our entrepreneurial audience their their words of wisdom. (laughs) What would you share?
0: Well, I think that's a very important way to try to kind of understand what we've been talking about it's it's wisdom you know we really we want freedom we want freedom to live the life that our creator intended for us and in the context of that freedom then we have our relationships our career our health but it's it's freedom and what did we hear you know the the truth the truth will set us free so it's the search for wisdom That we should be giving the highest priority, along with gratitude and forgiveness, it's seeking for wisdom. You know, the the stress and all is like static. It's hard to really get the message when we're feeling that kind of even low-grade stress. If we can kind of just tone it down, shift from all of this garbage in our neurology and our lower brain and all, and shift to being grateful. Being forgiving that opens the portal for wisdom to come, and in the wisdom then we have we, we understand oh the way the path of, that leads us to freedom to freedom and well-being, so I would say that one of the priorities of a lifestyle for stress, relief, and for health and healing is yes, gratitude. And forgiveness, but it's also taking just even, and there's science on this too, there's brain science on this too, even 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes a day where you just sit and contemplate the Creator. I mean, prayer is wonderful. I certainly am a strong believer in prayer and meditation, but there's also something about just listening. of putting the focus on our creator with the intention that we should receive wisdom. We should receive insight. 12, 13, 15 minutes a day. Once a day at least, maybe twice a day. Because again, he said, you know, seek and you will find. Seek, seek it. Seek it, you'll find it. Not It'll be open, you know, ask, and it will be given. I mean, we have to do something. And if we want wisdom, we have to ask for it. Give Mm -hmm. us, create some space in our daily life for wisdom to come in. So that's kind of what I try to practice every day myself, Robert.
2: Mm. Dr. Bergen, thank you so much for joining me and sharing so much. This has been a wonderful conversation.
0: Thank you. I hope certainly for everyone out there. Take care.
1: This episode is brought to you by intentional decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They are qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at AddValueMindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, they will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Ben Reinberg and Robert talk about the leap into entrepreneurship and the challenges of learning from his first real estate deal. Partnering with investors, Ben has created value for his clients, partners, and his tenants. He learned how to go after the no to grow.